to an emergency edition of the Phillies Nation podcast. We just had our episode 21 earlier today, but we're doing a quick episode 23 because of the big news today, and of course that is that the Phillies lost to the Mets. No, that's not the news. Uh, bigger news. J.P. Crawford is here. He's coming to the Phillies Major League roster. He'll be in City Field with the Phillies starting tomorrow, Tuesday, uh, as they take on the Mets in Game 2 of that series. Who knows if he's starting? I'm sure Pete McCann will probably get him in the lineup sooner than later. But uh, big news, big news, big news. And I have with me Dan Walsh, who we typically do uh, recording for Playing the Rube or other podcasts. You can subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts right now. Uh, we usually do that also on Sunday nights, or Monday nights, excuse me, it's Monday, long weekend, and uh, Dan's with me here before we get going with that one to talk about J.P. Crawford. Dan, how do you feel about J.P. Crawford? I feel ready. Um, you know, I, honestly, I w- I've been ready for him to be called up for a few weeks now. He's been doing really well for longer than most people realize, in fact, but um, even though I'm ready for it, the timing is a little bit surprising to me because the, the other news out of Lehigh Valley today is that the Iron Pigs just clinched a playoff berth. So yeah. it seemed like it seemed like if they didn't make the playoffs, Crawford would come up. If they did make the playoffs, he would at least stick with them until um, you know until they were finished. But uh, so the timing is odd, but it's not that I'm not ready for it. Yeah. So before we get to the numbers of Crawford, especially second half, which really was the reason why he got the call up. Um, the funny story that I mentioned to you offline is, so today, as you know, Dan, I was telling you earlier in the week that I was ready to take a day off today. It's Labor Day. Uh, my wife and daughter are in Texas for a family party, and so I'm here at home by myself, and I got a lot of work done over the early part of the weekend, and today I just figured, just relax, completely veg, don't do anything. And then I woke up this morning, and the sun was shining, it was a blue sky, and something from down, uh, something from up in the heavens called down to me and said, Tim, you must go to a baseball game. So that usually happens with me. Uh, I, I say I'm going to do nothing, and then a baseball game comes along. And I went to the game today. So I live in New York. I live like an, uh, 45 minutes north of New York City, not even that much. And the game sucked for fan purposes, but it was actually really fun. It was a really wonderful, warm day in City Field, and it was just a nice vibe, and I had a couple beers, and I stood in the sun and talked to people. Um, And one of the people that I talked to, Dan, I was standing, like, in back of one of the ledges, sort of where the security guards usually are, um, in the outfield. And there was this guy in front of me who was by himself in that, like, cordoned-off area, who had an earpiece on, and I was like, oh, that must be like a technician guy or something like that. It didn't dawn on me at all. And then like a minute later, the guy like sort of turns a little bit, and I see a CSN microphone, and I was like, oh, it's Murph. Um, so Murph, uh, Greg Murphy from CSN Philly, came out of the area, and I was like, hey, Murph, how you doing? And I shook his hand. He was on the podcast earlier this year, so we had, we had talked before. And, um, you know, he had said, oh, this, you know, this is not really the best kind of game to come to. And I was like, ah, oh, whatever, not a big deal. It's wonderful out. Also, the, the pigs are winning already, 2 nothing, so that's great. And he was like, yeah, I heard that, 2 nothing." And I said, yeah, Crawford hit a home run. And he was like, really? Because he didn't know that yet. And I was like, yeah. And, he, and I, I don't know who said it first, but we were both like, it's probably better that he stays in Lehigh Valley just because they're in a playoff run, and they're, now they're going to be in the playoffs, and he can get more experience on a big stage playing on a team that he's been with as the leader and it just makes sense for him to kind of be in that sort of environment for another week or two um and Murph and I I hope I'm not like you know 
cramping him here or, or you know driving over him here but he was like uh he was like yeah he should be down there too so you know, I, for some reason it just kind of seemed like obvious that if they were going to the playoffs that Crawford was going to be on the team there but no the Phillies decided screw it we're calling him up he's earned it he hit a home run in the first inning as you said against uh Scranton Wilkes-Barre and 15 home runs on this on the spring like so so where do you like do you I'm psyched. I'm obviously psyched for Crawford being here. I'm just I can't wait to see what he does. But where do where are you on that? Like you mentioned it, so you you must be thinking that Crawford could have stayed down there another week. Yeah, I mean I, I see the logic in bringing him up because you know I, this is something that you and I actually disagree on. Uh, you said that it would be nice for him to get that playoff big game experience. Uh, you know, um, a lot of attention, a lot of adrenaline, that kind of stuff, but. To me, that's the, that's all well and good, but the more valuable experience will, will come against uh, major league pitching. So even though you know in the playoffs uh, it's it's tense and it's high stakes and everything like that, the the fact of the matter is that if he's ready for the major leagues, he might as well be seeing major league pitching. So I'm not against bringing him up now. It's just like it, it it's strange, you know. It, it's a little strange to leave him down to clinch the playoffs and then not yeah. leave him down to play in them. Yeah. But I am a hundred percent ready, you know, because I'm still a Crawford believer. I'm not saying he's going to be an MVP or anything like that, but I'm still a Crawford believer, and so I'm 100% ready to see what he does for the rest of the Major League season. Yeah, I mean, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, look, I'm totally excited. Like, the second that the news came out, and Tom Hausnick of the morning call was the first to report it, it was confirmed by all the other beat reporters after that, like, when that came out, I was, like, immediately, like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. I can't wait till tomorrow night. My dad is going to be in the area. He's going to come see us for dinner. I'm going to take him to a bar, and we're going to watch the game because I don't have cable here, and I can't get the Mets. So we're going to go to a bar and watch the game because I want to see J.P. Crawford get his first Major League Plate appearance. And, funny enough, if he does start, he will be getting his first Major League Plate appearance against Jacob deGrom, who also uh, was the pitcher on the mound when Nick Williams and Reese Hoskins had their first plate appearance, which is really weird. Um, but it's cool. And you're right. Like, he's not facing Jacob DeGrom in AAA. He's facing, you know, all the guys who couldn't make it to the major leagues in September. Those guys are now pitching for whoever is going to be left in the playoffs. And there are some decent prospects in those teams, especially Scranton Wilkes-Barre, the Yankees team. But you're right. Crawford's going to face Jacob DeGrom. He's going to face whoever the Mets have the next night. He's going to face all the great Nationals pitchers, you know, that next series. So, yeah, makes sense. I'm fine with it. Totally cool with it. I just, like you said, the timing is weird. Um, but I guess the next question, and well, before we go there, the stats real quick, just so that you know what he's done this year. For the full season, 243, 351, 405, 15 homers, career high, 63 runs batted in from the two-hole, basically, the entire year. 20 doubles, six triples, five stolen bases, four caught. Best numbers on his line are the 97 strikeouts to 79 walks. Uh, he's got amazing plate discipline. It's always been the case with him. And then second half of this year, since the All-Star game, he's hit 287, 385, 513. Really, really good numbers. Uh, with, what is it, nine home runs, 29 runs batted in. 30 walks, 42 strikeouts. He's been, it's crazy. Like, he was bad to start the year, and we were all wondering when it was going to snap out of it, and he was in, like, the 190-200 range until, like, June. And then he started to get hot a little bit. 
and all the mid-season reports came out, like Baseball America and all those other reports, Keith Law, they were all like, Crawford's down, he's down, and they all put him in like the top like 60 or 70 uh, of their lists, and Crawford apparently took that to heart, he actually said that that motivated him, he tweeted it too, and ever since then, and then he went on the DL, then he came back, but ever since then, he's been unbelievable, and, and the power has come out of nowhere, and he's been steady and consistent, and the guy who's driven this Lehigh Valley team to this improbable playoff situation. Um, what do you expect from him, I guess, to start? Are you, like, he can't be Reese Hoskins, but probably won't be, like, Michael Franco in his first cup of coffee. He'll be somewhere in between, right? I think so. The encouraging thing about J.P. Crawford is that he has skills that should translate. So even if you don't see him uh, continuing his power surge in the majors, even if he's not hitting for a high average when he starts in the majors, um, you know, his plate discipline is good. His pitch recognition is good. Uh, even on the season, his 350 OBP is nice. So while his season average is low, uh, you know, across the season, his OBP is good. And he has a uh, valuable defense. So even, you know, like I said, if he doesn't come up and perform like Williams and Hoskins have, he should still be able to at least hold his own and be making contributions of some kind. So uh, Crawford profiles as a shortstop. He's been a shortstop his entire time in, in the minors. And he plays like a good shortstop. He's a very good defensive shortstop. The plays, you can find them on Twitter. I know Chris Jones, long drive, uh, does a lot of gifts, and he does a lot of gifts of uh, Crawford's awesome plays. You should check those out on his Twitter. Um, so, obviously, the question then is, like, what do the Phillies do with him over the next four weeks, three to four weeks here? Um, Galvis has been bad at the plate, as usual. Uh, just going to call up his numbers. He's hitting 253, 303, 392 going into today, and he had, like, an 0 for 5 today or something. Um, his glove has been amazing, and he's clearly a gold glove shortstop. That is no question. Cesar Hernandez has had a very good season, 285, 359, 422 going into the Sunday, uh, Monday. Excuse me. Keep saying it's Sunday. It's Monday. Um, and uh, then you have Michael Franco, obviously, who's been terrible this year. We don't have to go through those numbers. So Crawford is a shortstop, but are they going to move Galvis? Or are they going to put him in third? What are they like? I don't know. Like, do you have any idea for like? Where do you want to see him play, I guess? Do you want to see him play at short? Do you want to see him play at third? Like, what do you want to see most of? Yeah, I want to see him play at shortstop because defensively it's the more valuable position. I can understand the reasoning of the of the crowd because there are people who would like to see him at third because they, you know, they're kind of done with the Michael like Franco. Franco. Yeah. yeah, they're kind of done with the Franco experience. Um uh, but but at the same time, Freddie Galvis is a he's an immaculate defender, like you said. But at no point in his career has he had an on base percentage of three fifty. I have his fan graphs page right in front of me, and this includes the minors. He has never had an on base percentage like, of three fifty. Like which like is in a game, like like going into a game kind of thing, or just in a season. Uh, in a season, in okay. a season overall, and that is. You know, J.P. Crawford's OBP, and this is a season It's supposed to be a, a lost year for him. It's supposed to be where we give up on him, where we, you know, move on to, well, maybe he's not our number one prospect. Maybe he's not even a prospect. Um, but his OBP is higher than Freddie's has ever been over the course of a season. Um, and, and Galvis has, or sorry, and Crawford's has just gotten better in the second half. So, um, so yeah, so I definitely think that he deserves to be considered the everyday shortstop going forward. 
there has been speculation since even before the season started that maybe Cesar Hernandez would be someone that they would move. Um, and then if they do, then maybe Galvis uh, flips over there until Kingery comes up, whether it's at the start of next year or somewhere in the middle of next year. Um, maybe they keep Hernandez and Galvis becomes kind of a super utility infielder. Uh, they did try him in the outfield for that one strange kind of fever dream of a game, but the outfield is already so crowded that I don't see, you know, really the point no, in him you can't have any outfield. Uh, sticking there. But, um, you know, Galvis's positional flexibility and consistent lack of offense points to, uh, to me, him being a more of a utility role. Um, he could still play three or four days a week in a utility role because of how many different positions he plays. But, um, and, and again, that's assuming that Cesar Hernandez sticks around in the offseason, too, and that Kingery doesn't start 2018 in the majors. Yeah, I, like, Galvis to me is, like, either a great offensive team who has, like, six or seven sluggers who can all hit, you know, who can all get on base at, like, 350 or over, can have Galvis as the eight hitter who plays shortstop because he plays defense. Or, as you said, he's a super utility guy. Problem with Galvis is, is uh, he's making, like, $4 million, I think, this year, and he goes into his final arbitration year next year, I believe. So he's getting another raise because he's going to win a gold glove potentially. So I don't want the – I mean, they can afford it. They can. But I don't know if it's wise to have a $7 million or $6 million super utility guy on a bad team. I don't know. Um, I think Cesar – I think Kingery probably is going to – they're going to wait on him. I don't think he's going to come up yet. I don't think he'll be up on opening day either. I feel as if Kingery's – Discipline needs to get a little bit better and sharper down there um, before they're ready to bring him up for good. I mean, everything else is there, and he does look ready, but I don't know. I just think they're going to be more patient because they've been more patient with everybody else. So I'd imagine, yeah, you're right, either Cesar or Freddie would have to go in the offseason uh, just because there's so many roster spots that have to, you know, that, that, you, have, that you have. So, yeah, I don't know. I... I I'd like to see Crawford play a lot more shortstop, but I would like to see him at third base and second base just a little bit. I'd almost rather just see Galvis get all the spots at, like, third and short and second just to kind of... But I know they're going to just wave everybody around and see what works and who's more comfortable playing where. It's kind of like a lost month for them, but it's also, like, an interesting test tube month for them because they get to see what everybody can do at different places. I don't know. Um... The other X factor too is Pete McCannon. He, I would describe him, and I think it's safe to it's safe to call him this as being unpredictable. Uh, I, it's hard for me to get a read on McCannon. Sometimes I don't know what his intentions are. Sometimes I don't know what he's trying to accomplish. But um, <laughs> so it's it's hard to you know because we're still seeing Hoskins in left and Joseph starting at first, even though Joseph has been kind of struggling himself. Um, you know, especially he'll have these terrible cold streaks. Um, so so it's. You, you know, I don't know what McCannon will do with all these players either. Yeah, uh, no, I, there, was, there was some sort of, I forget what he did, maybe like a month ago, and it was one of these really vexing things that didn't make any sense whatsoever, and it didn't pay off for him. I forget what it was, I wish I remember, but he does like, just do random things sometimes that completely confuse the heck out of me, and I wouldn't be surprised, as you said, if he has Crawford playing at third base, Galvis at short, Cesar at second, and then a night later, Crawford's at second base, and Cesar's at shortstop, and Franco's at third. And, and just, like, weird things. I'd imagine that Crawford will play 
pretty much every day. But Freddie has also like expressed very publicly that he wants to play every day, and he thinks he should. So I don't know. <laughs> They're gonna have a weird. Uh, he has he has a very weird circumstance in front of him with with JP on the team now. Um, where like so I guess finally before we end this little like emergency thing, um, is this because I said this on Twitter? It to me it feels like a new era is just about to start. We've, like, I've considered the last five years, honestly, the Freddie Galvis era. Um, I think I mentioned that in an email to all of you guys, like, way back early in the season, and I think Mike Sadowski emailed me back and said, please don't ever call it the Freddie Galvis era. (laughs) But he's played the most games of any Philly in the last five years. He's been, like, the guy. And he's been the starting shortstop since Jimmy Rollins has left. And... I feel he's been the leader. Like everybody, like this year, the whole narrative about him being the team leader has kind of cropped up. And I seem, I it seems like he's the media darling, which I, I guess, but whatever. Um, is this like the end of the Freddie Galvis era? You think? And like now we're seeing that transition and opening day next year. It's whatever era is like the J.P. Crawford era or whatever the heck it's going to be. It might, I mean, we could call it whatever we want, but it might be the time when we finally go from, uh, you know, from zero to rebuild or where the rebuild starts to actually pay dividends because the way we've been covering Crawford all this time is that the next core really centers on him. And obviously, you know, Hoskins has emerged as someone who's uh, central to a next core. Williams very much could be part of that also. Um, but Crawford's the one that we've been looking at the most closely for the longest. So to have him actually develop and flourish into a major league player and and show us that maybe it is kind of his time, um, maybe that the significance is, you know, the, the new era is one where we see that the rebuild is starting to come into focus rather than being this abstract kind of philosophical thing. And I think it kind of makes the offseason, like it seems as if the offseason is actually getting a lot clearer now for the Phillies. Because it's pretty clear that Cameron Rupp, Tommy Joseph, one of Galvis or Hernandez, and probably both of them by mid-next year, and probably Michael Franco are not fit for the future. I say probably Franco because I actually still have a little faith in him. He's only 24, and I really hope he can turn it around. He does look completely lost right now. It's like he's... It's like Dominic Brown, like, in his worst days, like, just flailing and not really having direction. Although his fielding is a lot better. I feel like he's a really good third baseman with the glove now. But it feels like all of those guys are probably gone in the offseason. And you have Crawford, Hoskins, you have Altair, potentially. You have Herrera, you have Williams, you have Alfaro, you have probably Kingery when he's coming up. And I don't think any of those guys has to be a superstar. And I still don't know if Hoskins will be that guy. I mean, maybe he will be, but, you know, he's a 25-year-old first baseman, first slugger. You know, we'll see what happens. But they could just develop as who they are, and then by the end of next year, they can finally bring in a superstar or two superstars who can, you know, put them in that next level. But, yeah, I think this is it. Like, like we're finally seeing a clear picture And all these questions that I felt like we had for so long about this team in, like, the last month and a half are finally being answered all at once. And it's it's sort of an awesome thing to finally get to this place right now. Because I feel like we've been just, like, 
waiting and awaiting and struggling and crawling and, and just turning our heads and shaking and laughing at ourselves that we follow this team every day waiting for this moment to happen. And I feel like it's finally kind of happened here. And I think that's part of why the team is calling up Crawford, even even though the Iron Pigs are still playing, because all year long fans have been hoping for a sign of progress of some kind, and it's certainly not coming with their wins and losses, you know, and it certainly wasn't coming with the young pitching rotation early in the season, but there's this renewed enthusiasm, at least on, like, baseball writer Philly's Twitter, you know, since Williams and Hoskins got called up, there's this renewed energy and enthusiasm and interest in this team. And, you know, all for the last, what, two years now, people have been saying, just call up all the prospects so I have something to watch, <laughs> you know, other than, like, these old kind of fill-ins and injured players and Clay Buckholz's of the world, you know. And so now the team's like, all right, fine, we're going to do it, you know. And let's see, you know, come out to the, come out to the park and see because we're going to do it. And it actually hasn't been, like, a, like, the Phillies haven't really drawn this out that much. These guys were all thought of to be coming up at some point this year. I mean, we kind of had a little bit of wishes that Crawford would be up last year, but, I mean, he wasn't ready. But this year, they started with really nobody up, and then three months into the season, here's Williams. Four months into the season, here's Hoskins and Alfaro. Now five months into the season, here's Crawford. So it's been this, like, nice sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, like progressive sort of build where each puzzle piece is finally getting placed into the puzzle, and we see the picture now taking shape, and it looks great, and we just hope that there's a couple more pieces that are, like, scattered on the floor right now that we just missed, and those pieces come together, and this team actually takes off in the next, like, year and a half here. But, yeah, this is a very awesome moment here because we get the guy that we've been waiting for for so long. He'll probably be, I hope, I mean, all things considered, he looks to be, like, if all goes well, uh, a couple-time all-star kind of player in his prime. Um, at the least, he's probably a league average everyday shortstop, maybe utility guy, but, you know, we hope that doesn't happen. It looks like he's going to be a pretty decent player nonetheless. And we get to watch him for the next month. And don't get your hopes up too much. Don't get upset if he goes 0 for 20. Just enjoy the fact that we have an awesome guy who's here who's going to be probably a pretty decent baseball player. And he's joined guys who, in their first months in the majors, have also shown to be very good. I mean, Williams has looked great. Alfaro has been sneakily awesome. And Hoskins has been otherworldly at times. I mean, most of the time. Um, and watching the game today at City Field, like, I, even though they were down 10 nothing, it felt like, oh, they could score a couple runs and make it interesting, you know? And they did. And in the ninth inning, even though, like, it clearly was over... When Oduble came up and worked that awesome at-bat and got a hit, it was, like, awesome. It was amazing. It's like, this is the team that I can't wait to watch in two or three years in really bigger spots against great teams. So, I feel good, and I assume, as you said early on, Dan, you feel pretty good, too. Yeah, I do feel pretty good. It's, it's nice. It's, it's one of those things where the season, there's not much to watch for, uh, like, in big-picture kind of stuff, as far as the season's kind of, a, you know, kind of over for the Phillies. They might not win as many games as we want to. But you, you pointed out that individual at-bats are still very much worth watching. You know, every time Hoskins is at the plate, it's worth tuning into the game, right? And so the more guys they call up, the more at-bats are actually going to be worth watching between now and the end of the season. Yeah, enjoy it, fans. This is uh, what we've been waiting for for a while, and now it's coming true. All right, Dan, um, so Phillies Nation podcast, uh, the next one will be in two weeks. Obviously, we're doing every two weeks, as I mentioned on the previous podcast, and you can find the podcast on 
Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, uh, YouTube.com slash Phillies Nation. And I feel like I'm forgetting one. Spreaker. It's also on Spreaker. And philliesnation.com for all of your news, rumors, information, and more. You can also find us on Twitter, at philliesnation, Instagram, at philliesnation underscore, and facebook.com slash philliesnation. By the way, if you were at City Field and you saw my tweet that I was going to buy you a free beer, you should have went up to me. You could have had a free beer. I didn't give one to Murph because he was working. I felt like that wasn't the right thing to do. But I would have given you a free beer. You missed out, Phillies fans. But you're not going to miss out on the next month because J.P. Crawford is here for the Phillies Nation podcast. This is Dan Walsh with me. I am Tim Malcolm. We'll talk to you later.